Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. We have all heard them since we were children. They have formed our lives, and some of us, even as adults, we love them. These stories, these stories that shape our lives, they shape our understanding of heroes and villains. They share our understanding of adventure and romance, of tragedy, and happily ever after. These stories, both modern and classic, that we call fairy tales. So what is a fairy tale? Well, here's one way we can describe a fairy tale. A fairy tale is a story in which an improbable events lead to a happy ending which often involves imaginary creatures or some form of magic. And again, they're not just for children, they're often for adults too. These these stories that have this rich symbolism in them. And sometimes they're like psychological mirrors. You know, one of the stories that maybe most of you know is the story of Cinderella. How many of you know the story of Cinderella? All right, it's good. Most of you know the story of Cinderella. You know, Cinderella, poor Cinderella, she's got an evil stepmother and evil stepsisters who do everything they can do to make sure that she does not get to go to the ball. But of course, who shows up? Waving her magic wand, the fairy godmother makes everything just perfect. And Cinderella has this beautiful dress, you know, she goes in this nice stagecoach to the ball, and she dances with the prince, this handsome prince charming, and he is smitten with her. But the clock strikes 12, and of course, you know, Cinderella books it out of there as fast as she can, because all the magic is going to be undone, but she leaves behind the glass slipper. And this prince, who is smitten with this mystery girl, Searches his entire kingdom with slipper in hand, checking each foot to see if it will fit, until finally he comes to Cinderella. She slips her foot right inside, and he knows this is her. She looks at him, and he looks at her, and she looks at him, and he looks at her, and and they live, guess what? Happily ever after. Fairy tales, right? Happily ever after. You know, these fairy tales have shaped our lives in many ways. These are wonderful stories. Well, this morning, we're going to begin a new sermon series called Ruth, Better Than a Fairy Tale. Better than a fairy tale. Now, some of you may be familiar with the book of Ruth. Maybe you've even read the book of Ruth. We challenge you to read that kind of leading up to this series, and I encourage you to read it as we're in the midst of the series for the month of February. Some of you may not even realize that Ruth is a biblical name. Regardless, we're going to explore the book of Ruth. We're going to discover that this is better than a fairy tale. Because like some fairy tales have maybe some elements of truth in their story, this is a true story. This is a true story in God's Word in the Bible, a true story about a woman named Naomi and Ruth and this guy who they will call the kinsman redeemer. And God's involvement in our lives and our world. And like any good story, this story starts with tragedy. Naomi and her husband, they have to make some tough decisions for their two boys. There is a famine in the land, in Bethlehem. There is no food, so they are desperate. Have you ever been desperate before? 
You know, I've been so desperate that sometimes you've made some really tough decisions. Maybe some decisions you normally wouldn't have made. They've got to decide if we're going to survive, we've got to go somewhere where there is food. So they go to somewhere where there is food. And they're not going to go see their family, some extended relatives who are living where there's food. They're not moving from a third world country to a first world country. They're going to Moab. And something you should know about Moab, or the Moabites as they were called, the Moabites and the Israelites, they did not like each other. They had an extended history of hate and animosity and racism. They did not like each other. But that's how desperate Naomi and her family are. They are going to go to a place where they are not going to be welcomed, where they are definitely going to be outsiders because they are desperate to survive. So they pick up their bags, all their belongings, and Ruth and her husband and two boys move to Moab. There's food. But then tragedy strikes again. And Naomi's husband dies. He's buried in Moab. Now, at this time in the world, as most cultures at this time in the world, a woman, her, her whole existence, her livelihood really depended on her husband. Without her husband... That responsibility was going to fall on the two boys. So these two boys, these two sons, they grew up, and you know they fall in love. They marry two local girls, two Moabite women, and then tragedy strikes again. Naomi's two boys die, starving. Foreign hostile land, husband dies, sons die, and now Naomi feels like her life is just ruined. She is desperate, she is broken. And then she hears that in Bethlehem there is food again. So she determines it's time to go home. And as she prepares to go home, she tells her two daughter-in-laws, look, I, I've got nothing to offer you. I am, and basically she's saying, I am penniless. I am too old to get married again. And even if I was, you know, by the time I had sons, you're going to be old to marry them. I have nothing to offer you. So she packs up her belongings and heads back to Bethlehem. And she arrives in Bethlehem, and, and it's kind of like, you know, she gets there, and they're like, oh my goodness, it's Naomi. Naomi, we haven't seen you for like 10 years. You could have at least posted something on you know, Facebook or Instagram. You could have communicated it to us somehow. You could have dropped us a postcard, but nothing. But we're excited to see you. And Naomi? Naomi's response is this. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Can you say that with me? Mara. M-A-R-A. Mara. But you've got to say it kind of like this. You've got to hang your head down low. You've got to say yeah, see, it's kind of that low murmuring. Because, you know, in the Bible, the names that we have in, in these scriptures and in these stories, like it is in the story of here, the book of Ruth, they season the story. So the name Naomi, I mean, does anyone know somebody named Naomi? A few of you do. 
You know, I mean, some of you might know if you're a country fan, like Naomi Judd. You know, there's a few names of Naomi out there. Naomi, you know, her name means pleasant, delightful. So you know what? It's a beautiful name, right? Pleasant or delightful. And when they see her, they're like, look, it's pleasant. It's delightful. And she's like, don't call me that. Call me, remember what it is? Mara. Because you know what Mara means? Yes, it means bitter. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Because she's looking at her life. Remember again, she left her homeland for 10 years, lost her husband. He's buried in Moab. Her two sons, who she was depending on for her livelihood, they're now dead. And this is the first time that God is even mentioned in this story. Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Because God has judged me. And the language that she uses for God here, this is something that sometimes our English translations don't quite pick up on, is a language that kind of is rooted in two words. Because in Hebrew, they often had a number of different names they would use for God. And one of the words in the language that's used here is that this is the one, this is the sovereign one, the sovereign Lord, the Lord Almighty, the King of everything has judged me. He's abandoned me. But it's also rooted in the word that we have in the Psalms as the one who cares and provides. So the one who is sovereign, the sovereign king who cares and provides, has judged me. And I am what? Bitter. I am Mara. See, Naomi feels like God has just abandoned her. And she feels without hope. Do you ever feel like, ever felt that way before? Ever felt so overwhelmed with your circumstances that you feel like God just wasn't there? That you were abandoned by God? That maybe, you know, at some other time in your life, you felt like you were Naomi and everything was delightful and pleasant. But now you are what? Mara. And you are bitter. I love that we get this glimpse of real life in Naomi of a woman who's gone through a number of challenges and hardships and heartaches, and she's honest with the hurt and the struggles that she has, that she no longer calls herself Naomi, but Mara, bitter. She calls herself bitter because she just doesn't understand where God is at in all of this that's going on in her life. And that's, that's like us. It's, it's so human to feel that way. So human to say, you know, life is so difficult. It sucks so bad right now. How can God be with me right now? Where, God, are you at? And so often we miss God's presence in our lives. Because this, this book of Ruth, this story, it's better than a fairy tale. In the fairy tale world, you know, we like to think that God is going to come like a fairy godmother and wave his magic wand if we just pray and do the right things and everything will be all better and delightful and pleasant. But the reality, we deal with tough stuff in our lives. And Naomi, as she was struggling here, she missed God's presence with her. That God chose to be present with her in one of her daughter-in-law's. She had two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth. And so when Naomi was planning to go back to Bethlehem, she said, all right, daughter-in-laws, look, you're young. I'll never be able to offer you anything. 
You know, plus, if you go with me, you'll be in the foreign land. Because remember, the Moabites and the Israelites did not get along. Go back to your father's homes. You're young enough, find some new husbands. And one daughter-in-law is like, all right, see you, Mom. Love you. Bye. Have a good life. But Ruth, Ruth does something amazing. And I think Ruth becomes really God's presence, God's active presence, God's, you know, with flesh presence for Naomi at this moment, at this season in her life. Because these are the words that, that Ruth says, and we're going to read these together, several slides if you're here reading this with us this morning. And let's read this out loud together. This is Ruth's words. Don't force me to leave you. Don't make me come back from following you. Wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and I will be buried there with you. May the Lord strike me down if anything but death separates you and me. Just let those words rest for just a moment. Just think on those words. Ruth is saying to her mother-in-law, I am with you. I'm going to be with you. Whatever it is you're going through right now, whatever it is you're facing, I am there. And not just for a moment. I'm there thick and thin. I'm there to the very end. So Naomi, like us in many ways, you know, when we are facing hardships and challenges, we ask those questions. God, where are you? And we optimize that God brings his presence to us, his loving presence to us, and the people that he surrounds us with. The people in our lives that encourage us. The people in our lives that remind us of God's love with us. I love these words that Ruth uses, these words that she uses where she clings to her mother-in-law and says, you know, don't let me leave from you. I want to be here for you. Elsewhere in Scripture, it talks about that same language of clinging as we would cling to God, as God, you know, holds on to us. I think so often in Scripture, we hear God reminding us people that he is with them. From Joshua to the words that Jesus speaks before he returns to his Father in heaven, with all of his followers gathered there, and he gives the words of the Great Commission, he says, I will be with you always. In Ruth's story, I think we get a picture of Jesus, of one who is there for us and with us. Sometimes, you know, I think we are like Naomi. Sometimes we are overwhelmed, we are burdened down by the challenges we face, and we forget that God does place people in our lives. But also, I think a challenge for us is we are those who know that God loves us and forgives us. We know that we had a Savior who came to be in the flesh for us, so that he could suffer and die for us, so that he could take all of our sins and all of our hardships and challenges to him upon himself at the cross, rise again from the grave, which validates all of his promises, validates everything he did for us on the cross, validates his words, I am with you, how long? Always. Not just for this moment. And that in that faith that we have in what he did for us, in that love that he has given to us, in that presence, that loving presence that he gives to us. There are moments when we are called to be Ruth for someone else. We are called to be with someone, to remind them 
of God's love, to be God's presence with them this season of their life. Now, if we're honest, if you're like me sometimes, and I bet you probably are like me sometimes, because you know why? You're human, and I'm human. And sometimes on social media, someone shares a struggle or problem they have, and do you ever do anything like this? Thoughts and prayers, and that's about as far as it goes. Oh, and sometimes you look at me like that, and no one knocks their heads or raises their hands. I think it's only me. Don't think, though, if I say that, that I don't pray for you. But I, I, don't, I do that sometimes. I kind of like oh, thoughts and prayers. But I think God is calling us to do more than just thoughts and prayers. God is calling us to commit to that loving presence, to be his loving presence in the lives of those around us, especially when they are at a mara, a bitter moment in their life, a difficult moment in their life, to commit to them through this season of difficulty, to be with them throughout those challenging moments, to remind them and reassure them that God loves them, that God is with them. See, the one thing about fairy tales is that fairy tales, you know, start with this phrase here often, this kind of idea. Fairy tale is, you know, a long time ago in a land far, far away. But God's love, God's love for you in Jesus, God's love for you starts with these words here. I am with you right here, right now. And so often the way that God is here with us, he's with you right now, is to those who are gathered here in worship this morning with others that he's placed in your lives. It's also how he calls us to live out our faith, to live out and sharing his love by being there for others when they're in those Mara moments of life. You know, as we talk about growing in Jesus and sharing his love, we're going to grow in Jesus and share his love. We've got to do more than just simply like read through the book of Ruth. Again, I encourage you to read chapter one if you haven't done so. It'll take you roughly three and a half to five minutes to read chapter one, you know, or Put it in your ears and listen to it. And think on, you know, this interaction with Naomi and Ruth. Because we're going to grow in Jesus and share his love. We really want to grow in Jesus. We've got to do more than just simply, you know, check in and check out. We've got to think on these words from Scripture and enfold them into our lives. Let them season our lives, season our relationships. Let that love of God saturate our lives. I'm going to give you two challenges. You know, often I give you just one challenge. This time I'm going to give you two. And I give you these challenges not because you're going to earn any extra spiritual, you know, points with God or with me by doing these. These challenges are challenges called sanctification challenges. They help us to live out our faith life. Here this is the first challenge. First challenge is this. Make an appointment with yourself. Set a five-minute timer and tell God your pain. Think about Naomi here. Naomi, as she was talking with her friends and family, says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, call me bitter. So often, I don't think we do that. We don't take time to be honest with God about the pain in our lives. And God is God. He is the sovereign God, the king of all. He is the God who cares. And the God who's present with us in his son, Jesus Christ, and present in the life of others. That's something that a lot of times we are afraid to do. But God is bigger than all of our problems, bigger than our frustrations and our grumbling. So take five minutes, make that appointment with yourself, and tell God your pain.
That's challenge number one. So think about like Naomi doing that. Challenge number two, you've got to think about like Ruth. And the challenge two is to verbally reinforce your relational commitment to one person. We don't do that a lot. Especially if you know someone going through maybe a challenging time, a season in their life where it's really been challenging, you can assure them that it's more than just thoughts and prayers that you really are there for them and that you really want to encourage them in God's love and presence in their lives. And maybe that one person, maybe that's a spouse, a husband, a wife, maybe that's your children, maybe that's your parents, it's a friend, a classmate, a co-worker, it's a member here at Holy Savior, someone else connected in your life, that you can make that commitment like Ruth did to say, I am here with you. And I'll be with you as God is with you. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing grace and love. Thank you that you are here for us and with us in your son, Jesus Christ, right here, right now. We thank you that you've placed others in our lives. And Lord, we pray that you help us answer that call as you place us in the lives of others. That together, Lord, we can encourage one another. We can grow in your love. We pray this, Jesus. In your name, amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.